Well, is everyone satisfied? Little South Louisiana uh, cuisine. Uh, good to see you, brothers. As we get ready for session three, I want to introduce um, my new friend and brother, uh, uh, Kyle Jackers. And uh, he is a, a pastor in New Orleans. About 10 years ago, uh, Jack Hunter, who is the director of missions, executive director of uh, NOBA, which is the New Orleans Baptist Association, called me. I was at a youth camp, and he called me and talked to me about a property on Magazine Street in uptown New Orleans and about our church possibly looking at a refurbish, a restart, a relaunch and of, that, of that ministry. Well, that never materialized with us, but I've been praying for that area for about 10 years. And for that property, a historic church, formerly Valen Street Baptist Church. And so last fall, I saw on Facebook, Kyle Jaggers and um, Nola Baptist Church was able to secure that property. And they were already meeting in that area in Chapatulis, on Chapatulis. And so I reached out to Kyle. I said, man, I got I to gotta, I gotta meet with you. And so we met for coffee and um, uh, went to the facility. Well, I'm not talking about building worship or anything like that. But I was just seeing God making a connection for a ministry in that section uh, of town. And so met with Kyle um, at a Starbucks down there. And we went into the building, got down on our, knee, on our knees and prayed that God would bless you know, his church and gospel witness in that area of New Orleans. It's tough. And... Um, and so I, I just have um, this developing friendship with Kyle, and I said, I want our pastor's conference to hear from you. Because in ministry, we're looking for like-minded brothers. And I don't, I don't say that in, in a, a snobbish way, but p people that share the same heart commitments with regard to how you're going to do ministry. And Kyle uh, has uh, been faithful. How long have you been with the church now, Kyle? Ten years laboring in New Orleans faithfully with gospel witness. So, uh, Kyle, would you come and would you share with the brothers? And um, Kyle went to uh, Southwestern Seminary um, and um, just as a dear brother, please come and share with us. Um, so, you know, you're talking about how Christ makes us look crazy to the world and uh, talking about Isaiah walking around naked and stuff. Well, in New Orleans, that's called contextualization. So, yeah, that's just good contextualization right there. Um, so I've, I've just been, you know, the, the title of this is uh, Christ's Wisdom for Church Planting. And so i just thinking in terms of either it, maybe, A, you're being sent out by your church to plant a church, or B, maybe your church is praying about sending some people out to plant a church and just thinking about what might be beneficial uh, for you in that. Um, you know, if, if you're looking to plant a church, it's typical you go to some sort of boot camp or orientation for church planting. And typically, you know, when you, when you do that, uh, a lot of the emphasis in those sorts of boot camps and orientations are on the planter. The, the, the lead guy or whatever, um, you know, it's, uh, you know, are you a great contextualizer is one of the things that they will emphasize in that. You know, are you a, are you a ministry innovator? Are you able to identify and implement fresh ways of ministering to your community? Um, you know, are you a great leader? Are you a, are you a systems builder? 
that sort of stuff? Are you a, are you a dynamic speaker? Are you an extrovert? Um, and to sum it all up, are you just someone who can get it done is kind of the emphasis there. Um, and it's not so much, you know, uh, Pastor Jim. Oh, we got two Jims, by the way. I can't say, and they're both doctors. I can't say Dr. Jim or, or Pastor Jim without everybody getting confused. So, but Pastor Law, Dr. Law, uh, he, you know, he talked about Bill Hybels. Like it used to be that in the church growth movement, you know, it was like pastor is CEO. Well, in kind of this church planting era that we're in, it's, it's, it's pastor as entrepreneur. You know, are, are you able to uh, be somebody that could maybe uh, successfully start a business and that it, it works, it's able to penetrate some sort of market and, 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 and catch and, and then therefore be a successful business? And all of these things that are emphasized are, are you know, keys to success for a church plant are, are the skills, the personality, and the abilities of the planting pastor. And that's just a totally man-centered approach to it. Um, one prominent, you know, church planting network, they will rate their potential planters. And the highest rating of, of this one network is, it, they call their planters, the, of the highest rating is an X factor, an X factor planter. And what they describe as an X factor planter is, is a one in 1,000 leader. I mean, it is world class, one in 1,000, point zero zero, however many other zero, one percent type leader, right? Um, so I thought about that and I thought, I wonder if I'm an X factor. <laughs> so I took this test online to see if I was a X factor planter and I answered all the questions and then when I clicked get your results the page started to load and it said X and a hyphen and I was like yes but the page was just slow to load and then as it finished loading it said excruciatingly average that was the results of it hey listen praise God that the Bible is full of God using average people to accomplish his purposes. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. God chose, 1 Corinthians 1, 27, God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. So listen, friends, we don't need X factors to plant churches. We need God who possesses surpassing power. And the Bible also, here's the other thing that has just been such a grace to me, that the Bible also gives us real-time practical means. Dr. Shaddix was talking about the, the means of preaching, that the Bible gives us real-time practical means by which we take hold of God's surpassing power in church planting. And, and the two primary means are prayer and the Word. Acts chapter 6, verse 4. What did the apostles say? We will devote ourselves to prayer and the ministry of the Word. So prayer and the ministry of the Word are God's practical wisdom for us to take hold of 
His surpassing power. That is church planting. That's it. Taking hold of God's divine power by means of God's divine wisdom. That's church planting. That's what it, that's what it all boils down to. Wisdom and power throughout 1 Corinthians is, uh, especially in chapter 1 and chapter 2, wisdom and power are coupled together all throughout those first two chapters. Ten times by my count that wisdom and power or strength are, are married together in different statements. Um, for example, chapter 1, verses 22 through 24. For Jews demand signs and Greeks seek wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and folly to Gentiles. But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. And so churches are supposed to be set apart. We're set apart in that we take hold of God's wisdom in order to take hold of God's power. We don't take hold of the wisdom of the world. We take hold of God's wisdom. I want to be a faithful church planter. I want to be a faithful church planter. I want to be faithful to God and his wisdom. I don't want to be like Adam and Eve who lusted after the wisdom of the world, the, the wisdom apart from God. And if we plant churches, then let's plant churches God's way. Let's do it his way. We preach the full counsel. We lean into prayer. You know, it's interesting uh, when I talk to lost, unchurched people in New Orleans and they talk about what, you know, me as a pastor, what I do. You know what they say? You know what they think that I do? Well, pastor, you pray all day and you study the Bible all day and you preach all day and you help people. That's what your job is as a pastor. Lost, unregenerate, unchurched people have a clearer view of what a pastor is and what a pastor should be doing, oftentimes than what our church experts have a view of what we are and what we should be doing. How do we get so far off track? So church plants exist to do God's will, His way, for His glory. So we plant churches with principle according to God's wisdom. We take hold of prayer in the word because we want to be faithful to God. But in, in this, let's also recognize this. Being faithful is not the only reason why we take hold of prayer in the word. That's not the only reason why we take hold of prayer in the word. It's not just so that we can be right. It's not just so that we can do it the way it's supposed to be done. We don't do it just so that we can say, well, I've never tainted myself like so-and-so over here or church over here or, or, or blah, blah over here. We didn't taint ourselves. We didn't compromise in that way. Friends, we take hold of God's wisdom, of prayer and the word, not just for the sake of principle. We do so because it's powerful, because it's effective we devote ourselves to prayer and the word because it works. 
It's effective. It has miraculous and supernatural power. And that's why we take hold of it. 1 Corinthians 1.18 For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to those who are being saved, it is what? The power of God. Romans 1.16 I am not ashamed of the gospel. It is the power of God for salvation for everyone who believes. And then James 5.16 The prayer of a righteous person has great what? Power as it is working. So we pray because God has power. We preach the word because God has power. What a shame it would be. What a shame it would be to pray and to preach just to be good pastors in our own minds. What a shame it would be to pray and to preach just to be good pastors and never witness God's power and never behold God's power. To be like those who have the appearance of godliness, but deny its power. And so it would be a terrible reason to plant churches uh, just so that we could do it the right way. We plant churches according to God's wisdom because God's wisdom takes hold of his surpassing power. Um, and I think about that, this impossible task with infinite surpassing power promised to us. And then God has given us two simple means by which to attain it, prayer and his word. And it's like, I know why he chooses the foolish and the weak. Because it's such a simple thing. Like, it's not rocket science. He hasn't called us to split atoms or anything like that. He's literally said, here's how you're going to do what I've called you to do. Ask me to do everything. And then just merely repeat what I've already said. That's it. That's it. Just ask me to do everything and then just say exactly what I've said verbatim. It's all you have to do. Like, we think... You know, you go to Walmart and you sometimes feel better about yourself after being at Walmart because you're like, well, I'm way better off than them. And, and they're not. like, don't get it twisted. We're the, we're the person in the mobile cart at Walmart in God's kingdom, okay? Ask me to do everything and just repeat exactly what I've said. I mean, that's what, that's what he's called us to do. Those are our marching orders. Church planting, according to God's wisdom, is asking him to do everything and repeating what he has said. And it's like what he said to Moses. The Lord will fight for you. You have only to be silent. So here's what that, I think, does. That frees us then to ask the right question. The question is, what areas of our town or what areas of this town or whatever have the greatest need for the gospel and for faithful churches. And then let's go there because God will fight for us as opposed to what area is most conducive to this particular planters gifts and abilities and, and most conducive to growth and most conducive to building a church that's sustainable, those are the wrong questions. The right questions are, 
where's the greatest need, and our God who infinitely supplies for all of our needs by his surpassing power has given us the means by which to take hold of it, prayer in the word, and let's go there, and let's do that. One quick story, and I'll be done. I'm, I'm sure I'm going beyond what I'm supposed to. Uh, we have not, our church is small. We have 21 covenant members. We have 35 on Sunday. Um, we have longed and prayed and continually praying for God to reap a harvest and to cause people to be saved and, and then to join our church and, and to be discipled and then one day plant churches, stuff like this. We're waiting, like Abraham, we're waiting on the promise of the gospel. Um, but we have seen glimmers of God's faithfulness in that. Uh, about five years ago, I was walking in the neighborhood and trying to talk to people and just praying. And uh, there's a guy on his porch named George. George's a big dude, and he was smoking weed. And I said, hey, man, come worship with us. And he was like, no, nah, man, you better get out of my face. And I was like, all right. And so I just walked away, and I was praying and uh, prayed for him. The Lord laid him on my heart. So about three weeks later, he shows up to church. And he keeps coming for about a month. And so we went to McAllister's Deli. Uh, you're like, McAllister's in New Orleans? Yeah, that's right. We went to McAllister's. And, and I said, George. And George, by the way, not only was he smoking weed, he's a drug dealer. And uh, it was, he was selling weed. And I said, George, I'm going to be honest with you. If you're going to follow Jesus. Because George was saying, like, man, I, I really like all this. And, and, and I think I want to be a Christian. And I said, well, here's the deal. You've got to surrender this to the Lord. You've got to stop selling weed. And you've got to commit yourself to stop smoking it. And you've got to be serious about the Lord. And I, he said, well, I'll just, let me go home and think about it. So let's go home and think about it in two weeks. We'll, we'll, we'll meet back at McAllister's and we'll talk about it. So he's coming to church. So two weeks later, we met at McAllister's. I said, well, what do you think? And he said, Pastor, I love weed, but I love Jesus a whole lot more. <laughs> so, look, guys, it's okay. It's okay to be average. God's, sup- God's surpassing power has been given to us in the most practical, simple, attainable means it could possibly be given to us. Ask him for everything and just repeat what he has said. And that is church plan.